Good morning, good morning, and great day out there. Ooh, it's so pretty. A little chilly, a little chilly, but it's middle of the winter. You know, here it is the last weekend in February. we got one more day than we normally do with the, the leap year and all that kind of thing. But for the next hour, we're going to be talking about gardening. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and I'm my awesome producer, Java Chapman, and the other folks here at MPB. We'd like to open up this, what we call a garden party. It's not exactly how-to. There's a lot of how-to and what for and all that, but mostly it's what's going on in your garden? What can we do as a community to bring some fun and some joy and cheer and ease some of the loads? For the next hour or so, we're going to talk about, oh, I've got a cheesy too. Yes, I do. And some really interesting events going on in the next little while. But for the next hour or so, we're going to just talk about it. Meanwhile, we're going to take a quick break and come back and get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and like I say, we're going to be talking about gardening. It's not, you know, it's how-to, a lot of how-to stuff, but it's also about life and getting along with other people in the world and all that stuff. So I could get too heavy into philosophy or sociology or that kind of stuff, but if you've got a question or a comment or something you want to talk about that's somehow related to gardening, you bring it on. I don't sell anything. I try not to get too horticultural. I can make your eyes bleed with detail about stupid stuff, but uh, mostly we're just going to try to solve problems, raise some issues, and, and deal with it. Just just get along. It's a party, you know, so, so you can just relax and let's talk. Uh, and it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Got some events coming up that are that, that are happening this, starting this weekend uh, that we're going to talk about, a couple of emails. But what we're here for, first and foremost, is the Yak With You. And we're going to start out with a guy named Nick. Hey, Nick, how are you this morning? What are you calling uh, Columbus. What's going on, Sir Nick? Hey, Felder, how are you today? So far, so good. Well, we got a little sunshine here. That's kind of unusual. Yeah, what is that blue stuff up in the sky? I'm confused. <laughs> I'm, wonder, I'm wondering myself. i got a couple of questions for you. Uh, I've got a, a blackberry patch that I cultivate, uh, and they are, some of, some of them, well, most of them have, have a well- uh, Flower, not flowered, but well uh, leaved out. Yeah. And I know it's normally too early to put uh, any nitrate down this early because we're still going to have plenty of cold weather. Yeah. Uh, does it, should I wait or should I go ahead and put nitrate on? Well, here's the deal. You know, fer- nitrogen fertilizer, as you know, doesn't last very long, and it washes away pretty fast. And so I would wait a little bit until they really start growing. Right now, they're putting out growth from stored-up energy from last year. So, you know, if you put it out, we get a lot of rain. Someone's going to wash away before the roots really start, the new roots start growing and absorbing it. So I'd wait till you know, there's no rule of thumb. You know, you could put out now, March, April. Not that big a deal, even May. But the main thing is try not to push them with too much nitrogen because then, then you'll have a lot more vine and maybe not quite as much fruit. So so anyway, I, I, February, March, April, early May, that's my general rule of thumb. It's not specific like a sci- like the scientist in me wants to do, but uh, in general, I'd wait a little bit. So since it's a little early on, uh, on, on starting uh, – uh, the leaves, it doesn't really make any difference. I can just wait, say, until to the middle of March to put the, uh, yeah. the fertilizer on. Yeah, I mean, you, you can take a branch off that stuff inside and bring and put it in a, in a vase of water, and it's going to still put out leaves and, and flowers because that's all stored up from, from last uh, late summer and fall. So that's yeah. just, that's just those new leaves are going to jumpstart some roots, and that's what needs the fertilizer. Okay, my next question is, uh, this year, I think I'm going to try to plant my tomatoes. Uh, I have, I think, nematodes and, and probably some other problems in my in my garden because I can't move my tomatoes around. Yeah. I don't have enough room. Uh, is it okay to just buy sacks of, uh, of potting soil and just uh, take a hay fork and just perforate the, all the way through where the water can run through them? And just plant them in potting soil, pure potting soil in the in the sack. 
Yeah. But, I mean, you could do a five. To me, a five-gallon bucket would be better because of a sack of potting soil, uh, it, you know, when you lay it down flat, you know, then basically you've only got three or four inches of dirt that spreads That's out right. wide. So, you know, and what will happen is that can overheat in the sunshine. If you're going to do that, I spray paint the sacks uh, white, you know, to reflect heat in the summertime or else gotcha. just throw some hay or something like that over because those bags. My first garden in the back of my pickup truck, a lot of people have seen my truck. I've got all sorts of stuff growing in the back of it. But uh, when I first started doing that 30 years ago, I started out with just a bag of potting soil up against a cab with a tomato, a pepper, and a periwinkle plant, and that worked fine. Yeah. Uh, one thing, though, you, you need, you're going to have to put a little bit of fertilizer in with it, and, uh, and I would recommend the slow-release, those fertilizer beads that they sell, you know, a little, just a, a big heaping a teaspoon, uh, tablespoon or a small handful thrown into the potting soil. That way, every time you water it, it'll, it'll automatically fertilize your plants and uh, because they, they're going to need that. And that's the easiest way to go. One time, sprinkle of this stuff in those holes in top and let it go. All right, it's uh, something similar to Osmocote. Osmocote works fine. I mean, that that's one that, that I use, and uh, yeah. it's perfectly fine. And and it's what commercial. I use it because I can put it out one time, and I'm done with it. Plants don't have to worry about whether I'm gonna mix something up and feed them or not. But I uh, keep in mind that the directions for 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 any kind of fertilizer, Osmocote or whatever, the directions are for the maximum they can legally get away with with recommending because they're in the business selling stuff. So, yeah. so you don't you use you. any more. Yeah. Okay. What about covering it up? Uh, I, I wasn't going to dig it and try to put the, uh, uh, the the sacks below the ground level. What about covering them up with leaves? Yeah, that that worked fine. You know, uh, like I say, you know, one, one, when it gets hot here, those bags can overheat real quick in the in in the sunshine. So the man, you know, either yeah. that or just spray paint them. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And I really appreciate you. And I, I really enjoy your program every, every, every week. <laughs> Nick, I, pre- I appreciate You know, you get started early this morning. You need to go relax. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm doing is relaxing. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Nick. I appreciate it. See you later, you know, there's a bunch of folks uh, who who have different kind of event, garden events, and there's a couple going on this weekend in particular that I want to talk about. If you're anywhere near the Gulf Coast or near Natchez, uh, there's a couple of interesting things going on, and I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to talk about those in a minute, so grab a pencil or piece of paper in case you want to jot them down. But meanwhile, let's go to Shannon and talk with Denise. Hi, Denise. Good morning. Hi, Phil. I'm glad to get to talk to you. Thanks. I just have two questions. Uh-huh. I have a Satsuma in a, about a 10 or 15-gallon pot in my sunroom, and it's loaded with blooms. Mm-hmm. How much can it stand? I don't want to lose my blooms. How much can it stand overnight? Temperature nose. Uh, yeah, freezing. It doesn't want to freeze. You know, if it's going to frost, you know, I'd cover it up. But here's the deal. If you don't put it out, Denise, you're not going to have any satsumas because those flowers got to be pollinated by bees. Gotcha. Okay. See, so I drag, and I know it's not any fun. When I was a kid, my mother had this great big potted plant. I had to drag it in and out and in and out and in and out. And, and I didn't realize she was trying to build up my muscles, I guess, or patience <laughs> or something. But uh, is, the, those flowers, they don't. The, I would say if it's going to dip down into the to the mid thirties, I'd bring it in. But they can take you know forty, forty five, no problem at all. Okay. Supposed to be 34 tonight, I guess. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, if you look on your window, there are bees and little small pollinating flies stuck to your window looking at those flowers, wishing they could get to them. Oh, okay. Well, I will get it out when it's above 34. Okay, remember, One more. Be, remember bends don't lift. Yes, yes, you drag. You drag, don't. <laughs> what, what else you got, Denise? I have a garlic patch that's about two feet diameter, something mm. that I moved out of a field. Uh-huh. And those garlic bulbs never have clothes on it. It's just one bulb. Is there? Is it edible garlic? Or it, 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 is. It? it is edible. Here, here's the deal. If you don't separate them and plant the individual, you know, clove type things, uh, you know, every year, they're not going to make clothes. They get real crowded. And uh, and so if you want to have the clothes that you eat, uh, you need to, to replant a few, you know, with uh, three or four inches around each, uh, uh, apart from each other sometime in the fall and grow them just for that. And the other thing is, Denise, you know how pretty those flowers are, big old softball, baseball-sized flowers? Yes. 
that takes energy away. So if you want to grow the the cloves, and I, I grow four or five different kinds of garlic. What I do is mm-hmm. I re- replant some every fall, you know, little cloves here and there. And then when they start to bloom, they send up that little, looks like a spaceship on a stick. I, I just... Yeah. The ones I want to eat the garlic, I pop those off because okay. that way it throws energy down into the bulbs and cloves and not up to the flower. Okay. I think that's my question. Okay, Thank you Denise, so much. Appreciate you calling. Watch your okay. back. Thank you. Bye. Okay. All righty, folks, you want to give us a call? It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Here it is, the end of February. A couple of events going on. I'm going to mention those when we come back from the break. But we'd like to mention when I walked in this morning, a little chilly. I stole some, as usual, stuff out of people's yards and here and there to talk about. And uh, the two things I've got that are edible, there's a lot of parsley. A lot of people plant parsley in the springtime. Here in the Deep South, we plant it in the fall. It is a beautiful basketball-sized clump of brilliant emerald green, wonderful flower bed. But parsley grows better in the wintertime. And right now, one of the native trees that are blooming, our red bud, which grows all the way up into Canada, red buds, big pink flowers, they are perfectly edible. They taste kind of like raw peanuts with a little bit of a twang to it, raw peanuts. Um, so anyway, if you want to grab a handful of red bud flowers and scarf them down, go for it. We're going to take a real quick break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. We're talking about gardening, and there's some events coming up. But uh, before I get to that, uh, I mentioned about the red buds being edible. I had a, a woman approach me the other day at a local coffee house and want to know about edible or, or uh, foraging, urban foraging, walking around town, finding stuff to eat, you know. And uh, it's a good idea, a good idea. I do it all the time. Um, and there are a lot of things that people have in their landscape near the street that are perfectly edible. There's a, a, a church near me that has a an, an incredible crab apple tree right out front, loaded with crab apples. They're the size of oh, they're 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 big and they're sweet, and nobody gets them. I mean, they enjoy the flowers in the spring and they forget about it. So every time I walk by, I get me a whole bunch of crab apples. It's called urban foraging. And uh, there's a couple of things uh, you want to keep in mind. One is keep off private property and all that, and um, and also, don't take everything you find if there's something you find to eat. But in general, what could you put in your yard near the street that people walking by can graze on? And I came up with a, a list of plants uh, and, and things that are uh, trees, shrubs that have a lot of edible fruit that are shareable. I'll give you one example. There's a shrub called Eliagnus. A lot of people plant Eliagnus as a as a big hedge to hide stuff. It gets the size of a half a school bus. Uh, long, scraggly things. Uh, not a pretty plant. Makes my hair look great. It's so scraggly. But right now, Eliagnus is loaded with little small fruits about the size of the end of my little finger, uh, the last digit of my little finger, perfectly edible fruits. It flowers in the, in the, the late uh, fall, early winter, but it's loaded with perfectly edible fruit right now that we just don't think of it like that. Anyway, I came up with a, with a list of plants that are suitable for urban foraging uh, and also things that happen to look good in your yard. If you want a copy of that, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Or better yet, check your local newspaper. The Mississippi Press Association runs a weekly column of mine uh, in the, the dailies and the, the weekly newspapers around the state. And this coming week's going to be about uh, foraging for food in the neighborhood. If you want to enter uh, uh, a list of that stuff, though, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. It's stuff that looks good in your yard, and you can plant yourself. But if you put some by the street, who knows? You might help somebody like me wandering by. Meanwhile, let's slide down to Hattiesburg and talk with Chris. Morning, Chris. How are you, ma'am? I'm good. How are you this morning? So far, so good. You know, I'm going to be in Hattiesburg in a couple of weeks. Uh, no, excuse me, three weeks. I'm doing a class at UMC on the on uh, March the 25th, 2.30 to 4.30 in the afternoon. Just saying. Awesome. What can I help you with? 
right. I love being out in my yard and I'm um, going uh, with mostly uh, native plants, perennials that don't need a lot of fussy care, uh-huh. uh, drought tolerant, that kind of thing. Um, one thing I don't, I'm not good at and I don't take care of is my grass in my yard. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't care if I have a lawn or not. Yeah, I'm with you. So I was looking for alternatives in my area to grass. I've heard clover in some parts. I've got moss growing in the shady areas, but I need something in the sunny areas that I can just sort of plant and forget about. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, I was raised with this kind of lawn. When I was a kid, I had to, I had to, to, to mow the lawn and I, I, I just hated it, but we didn't really have much grass. We had a lot of, a lot of kids, but we had clover and henbit and wild onions and garlic and dandelion and all these wonderful low growing spring uh, blooming wildflowers that some people call weeds. But basically, if you just had a mow what grows type of lawn, just, you know, every couple of weeks, just mow whatever's out there, mow around the pretty stuff, you know, that works. You don't have to have St. Augustine or Centipede or Bermuda or Zoysia to have a lawn. You can have a meadow lawn, and it's perfectly acceptable. But if you want to get rid of it entirely, you have to do a, jump through a couple of hoops so the neighbors don't complain. you got to, you know, make it look like you're doing it on purpose. And so that's deliberately planting small, low-growing stuff here and there for all year. Clover doesn't look like much in the summertime, so you got the, and dandelions are gone, so you have to sort of plan to have low-growing stuff all year, and that basically means leaving some of the grass there. So uh, what I've done in my backyard, uh, Chris, I have a little small area that used to be grass, and now it's a circle area. Right now it's full of daffodils and other spring-blooming uh, bulbs. It's got uh, uh, clover. It's got violets. It's got uh, henbit. It's got, uh, uh, you know, just things, things that other people call weeds. I've transplanted into this little area. It is a beautiful little meadow, and when it's through, when it sort of burns out, I just cut it down, throw some mulch on top, and I'm done till next year. But uh, anyway, you're going to need to have some some low-growing things here and there for summertime and for fall, or else your neighbors are going to talk bad about you. It's possible to do it, though. And uh, there's some ground covers that work really well. There's some some vines, some low-growing shrubs. But best I can suggest, first of all, is encourage you to say it's okay, but you're going to need to do something part of the year to live in town. Uh, other thing, if you shoot me an email, I'll send you a list of the, some of the low-growing stuff that I use uh, in my garden, which I, I don't have a lawnmower, and I've got areas that that are, are wide open all year. So, you know, there's, there's a few things you can do, but you got to plan to make it look like you're doing it on purpose. All right. Thank you. I didn't give you a lot of specific information there, but encouragement. We can, we can do this. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Chris. Thanks for calling. Sometimes it's just a whole topic, a whole thing. We talk for an hour about that kind of thing. But it is okay, folks, to have a meadow lawn. Clover and henbit and dandelions and onions and the blue-eyed violet, blueettes and the all of those things, they're okay. Especially if you plant a few little daffodils here and there to give people the idea that you're doing this on purpose. It's okay. And get this, as soon as it's time to start mowing the grass in earnest, uh, once you mow these things, they're gone. They're gone all summer long. So you can have a uh, an okay summer lawn and a fabulous winter and spring meadow in the same place by just mowing what grows and introducing a few other things here and there. So anyway, I encourage people to do that. If you want to have a perfectly manicured lawn, I can help with that too. Give me a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, Now let's go to Laurie and Brandon. Hey, Laurie, good morning. Morning. How are you? So far, so good. I'm sitting there eating. I've, I've got some red buds stuck to the roof of my mouth between my teeth, a little red bud flowers, but I'm cheerful. Oh, I just check them out. Well, speaking of edibles, uh, what about chickweed or sticky weed? I have a lot of that growing uh, weeding up my yard right now. I've now, heard it's edible. Now, wait, what kind of plant? Uh, chickweed or Yeah, chickweed. Ch- chickweed is perfectly edible. Perfectly edible. You know, it's, it's not going to take like taste like arugula or something, but chickweed is perfect. It's it's a great edible, and I've got a lot. I pull it up by the hands full, but you know, it's perfectly edible. Do you eat it uh, raw, or do you eat it? it you, know, I, you know, I've never cooked it. I've munched on it a little bit. You know, I'm I'm. I hate to say this, but I'm I'm a meat eater. You know, I, I don't I don't eat a lot of stuff uh, like dandelions, for example. I know you can eat them, but I don't. But I, as far as I. I'm pretty sure you can just eat them raw, but anyway, it's on every 
edible uh, plant list. Oh, okay. Well, it's real easy to spot, too. <laughs> yeah, it is. And there's lots of it. Uh, you might want to splash a little vinaigrette on it. Oh, great. Okay. Oh, one other question. Um, do you know anything that if you have little free-range chickens in your yard, do you know anything that you can plant, uh, like a little vegetable that you can plant that they leave alone? Is that not possible? Yeah, did you say free? I, I just had to. I just realized Java. There's a button down here. I can make the sound louder. <laughs> I could. I couldn't hear anything. I just found a button. Now you loud and clear. You have free range. What? Chickens. Chickens. Uh, you know they're gonna eat everything. Chickweed. They like chickweed. <laughs> oh. Okay. No, I was just saying that. Um, I have a little garden with a. There. A little fence around it, but sometimes they get over the fence. Yeah. Is there anything that uh, that's chicken proof that I could plant that's like a vegetable type nope. plant? Nope. Okay. I mean, you know, they're okay. not they're not eat big stuff like tomatoes and peppers and stuff like that. But but they root around and scratch around anything that's that's down low to the ground. They're gonna if they don't eat it, they're gonna dig it up looking for something to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you <laughs> know, some, the, have you ever heard of a higher. have you ever heard of a chicken tractor? Uh, yes. Yeah, a little Java. You, uh, have you heard of this Java? You you get a little like a little cage, a box that's a cage, and you put chickens in it, and you move it, and they eat whatever's in there, and then you move it. It's sort of like you got to move the box down the row, and the chickens eat everything, including ticks. By the way, anyway, Laura, there, there's you know there's not much in account. Not going to scratch up. If you put mulch, they're going to go right through that. <laughs> Thank you. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I just had a vain hope. No, you know, chickens are, you know, that's just, when I think of chickens, I think of uh, bare dirt, a lot of dust. <laughs> Good luck on it, Laurie. Thanks. All righty. Now let's slide over to Risland, Mississippi. Good morning, Hugh. Thank you for calling. Thank you. I sure enjoy your program. Thanks. What's up? Uh, I have my shrubs that are really well mulched in with pine straw uh, mm-hmm. and wanted to fertilize them. Can I simply mulch on top of the pine straw or fertilize on top of the pine straw and let it go in, or do I need to pull the mulch stuff back? It, it'd be better. I mean, you you could just throw it on top, but it'd be better if you could pull the stuff back. Here's the reason. The nitrogen in fertilizer dissolves and washes into the dirt. The phosphorus and potassium, the second, third number, they're very, very slow acting, and it would take a long time. Uh, so it'd be better to have it down into the ground and actually sort of if you could pull the mulch back and just throw the, the fertilizer and then just use a rake to lightly work it in and then you can push that old mulch right back on top and top dress it but it'd be better to put the the all-purpose fertilizer you know, down on the ground okay thank you very much okay good luck on it Okay, and before we take any other calls, I said we've got a lot of interesting things going on. And uh, this weekend, there's two things. One, uh, at the at Bellagraph Gardens uh, down in, uh, in the Mobile area, the Mobile, Mobile uh, Orchid Society is having the 43rd Orchid Show and Sale starting today, uh, tomorrow, and Sunday. The members are going to talk about their best orchids. Uh, they got some for sale, and they'll be glad to answer questions about how to grow these exotic plants. Uh, the plant sale is free. The show is free. So uh, that's, again, Bell and Graff Gardens, the Mobile Area Orchid Society. Also, the Natchez Literary Festival. I'm giving a presentation tomorrow, Saturday. It's going to start at 1 o'clock, and it's going to be at the Natchez Convention Center down by the river. It's free. Uh, this is going to be a southern garden designer talking about our garden styles, but uh, I'm going to have a kind of, I'm putting together a kind of a fun program on, on uh, diggers, determined independent gardeners, the plants and the way we sort of use plants to connect with each other, the community of gardeners and the glue that binds us together. It's plants and sharing te- techniques. It got a lot of fun pictures of some things. But anyway, it's going to start at 1 o'clock, Natchez Convention Center. It's free. Look forward to seeing some of y'all there. Uh, there's a couple of other things uh, that are uh, coming up, including next weekend, March the 8th, uh, which is a Sunday, West Point, Clay County Arts Council, Sunday, March the 8th. I'm going to give a presentation on garden art. I'm calling it the good, the bad, and the unbelievable. It's free. It starts at 2 o'clock at the Louise Campbell Center for the Arts, downtown West Point. That's next Sunday, March the 8th. It's a free uh, 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 pro. I can't even say it all. Anyway, it's uh, a, a program on yard art. Okay, Java, I need to stop trying to read and just talk, right? <laughs> let's, let's go to Italic County and talk with Preston. Hey, Preston, thanks for holding, man. 
Yeah, man, um, I've got some difficulty. I've talked to several different agencies on this stuff. I've got some stuff growing in my yard, and I ain't figured out what it is. It's got a, it's a bright green color. It's all this rain, and it has a yellow tint in it. It don't have any leaves on it or any leaves straw or grass or anything. So I took some up to the home extension office in Ontario County. They tested the stuff and said it was moth. But what I'm getting at, this stuff is omitted up from putting off a fume or gases off of this stuff <laughs> that will take your breath, burn your eyes, just like you have splash coal off or bleach on something. Huh. And, you know, this, I've been putting off of this for going on two weeks. I've talked with these people. The way they told me, and I even talked with somebody who got with the Environmental Protection Agency. Wow. They can tell me what it is. Well, what, 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 what can I do? Well, I'm just wanting to you what it might be or what it's going to use to kill well, it. They said it was a dog from out well, if, if the folks at the extension office, if they're sure as moss, then, you know, I, I, without seeing it, I can't even guess. And I'm I'm one of those kind of experts who won't guess if I don't know for sure. But without looking at it, man, I can't even begin again. And I'm not trying to put you off. I'm being honest here. Anybody who says what it is without looking at it, I wouldn't trust them at all. So anyway, without looking at it or close-up picture or have somebody there give me a call and talk uh, about it, I don't know what to say. And, you know, there are a lot of different kind of mosses, a lot of different weird-shaped mosses. Some don't look like regular moss. Some look like little Christmas trees. But as far as them giving off some kind of, uh, uh, you know, they, it might be the, the spore that they're sending out their spores right now, I, I just don't know. And well, I'm, you stop it. I would say, grow up on, I got a big uh, oak ship in the back of my house, like mm-hmm. a little bad house, and this stuff is coming through somehow I'm not getting it, but... Uh, and it goes up on them uh, push steps back there. Uh, well, you know, Preston, without without seeing a picture of it, I'm I mean I I can't help you. I can't help you at all. So anyway, either you or get somebody to send me a really good close up picture. Let's take it from there. Oh, I sure will. I appreciate it so very okay. much. Okay. Me- meanwhile, meanwhile, hold your nose when you're out mowing. Whew. Oh boy. Community folks, that's what we are. And if anybody knows what he's talking about, let me know because I'm I'm curious about it. I'm if I don't know something, I want to find out. I get emails all the time from people wanting to know what's this or or uh, what what can I do. And I I don't know. I don't know. But I'd be glad to find out when my curiosity gets up. Anyway, I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing. I want to appreciate all the folks who are listening by way of podcasts from all over the country and beyond. This is a southern thing, but it's all green side up. That's what it's about. Now we're going to take a quick break. I got some cheese. I got an earworm for you. A tune that will irritate you for the rest of the day. And then we're going to come back with more of your calls and a few more announcements and a couple of emails right after this. Again, the folks here at MPB, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we're glad you joined us today.
Hey, folks, welcome back. Horticulture is fellow rushing. Uh, we get it all, folks. We get it all. And that's what MPB is about, reaching out to people, regardless of who you are, who your mom and them are. If you guys the things talk about gardening, that's what I'm here this morning. A couple of real qu- quickie events coming up. Natchez Literary Festival. I'm giving a presentation Saturday afternoon, starting at 1 o'clock. It's at the convention center down by the river uh, in Natchez. It's free. Uh, let's have, And I'm going to have plenty of time afterwards just to sort of chat. So bring stuff to, to, to talk about. We're going to have a good time. Uh, also, the uh, uh, Orchid Society is having a, their annual thing down at Bellingrath Gardens this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, down in, in Alabama. March 8th, West Point. We're going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the unbelievable when it comes to garden art. It's not going to be all cheesy stuff. It's going to be some serious stuff, but a lot of fun. It's it's going to be free. It's going to be at 2 o'clock at the Louise Campbell Center for the Arts, downtown West Point, next Sunday, March the 8th. Um, also, I'm giving a program up in Memphis on the 19th of March, the Hostess Society at the Botanic Garden. And in Hattiesburg on March the 25th, we've got plenty of time to talk about this, but on March the 25th, I'm giving a class uh, there at yeah, University, uh, excuse me, yeah, University of Southern Mississippi, USM, um, at, starting at 2.30 in the afternoon, March the 25th in Hattiesburg, a gardening class that I think is not just straight gardening. You know me, folks. There's going to be some gardening there, but it's going to be a whole lot of what are we doing what can what are we doing here? It's gonna be a lot of fun. If you have uh, some other events I can help promote, shoot me an email: garden at mpbonline dot org. Also, if you want my list of uh, of plants that edible yard plants, stuff that you can plant in the yard, you can eat off of um, all year, from daylilies to red buds to chickweed. Shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Let's slide over to, I'm not sure where 8 Mile, Arkansas is, Alan. Where is 8 Mile, Arkansas? Al, Al, I mean, yep. Alabama. I'm I'm sorry. My my bifocals. 8 Mile, Alabama. Where is that? It's right there between Pritchard and Sims. Is it four miles from either one? That's about, that's close enough. It's just a little <laughs> in-between area. Well, what's, what's going on? What can I help you with today? Well, my my yard is actually over there in the north end of Grand Bay, they call it Union Church area. Uh-huh. And it's basically just farm property, but of course uh, our yard is like a couple of acres big. And it's broke, of course, we, that's just our yard where our dogs and us kind of knock around and everything. And I got so many stickers and weeds, it's about as more weeds than it is grass. Yeah. And of course, I keep it cut down really close uh, because it's our yard. Yeah. So uh, I'm fixing to do some uh, weed extermination without killing the grass. And I've got these agricultural sprayers, and what I'm going to do is going to throw my 25 gallon agricultural sprayer in the back of my little Tacoma truck and I'm gonna go around and start killing the weeds without killing the grass. And so what I've got is I've got about the better part of a gallon of Remedy Ultra, and I can read what the regular directions are, make it about one to one and a half percent, but I'm just using it in a yard. It's just regular, whatever kind of mixed up grass we've got in the yeah. world. Yeah. So, so you know, this Remedy Ultra is kind of expensive as those things go. Yeah. I'm just going to put it in a 25-gallon sprayer. I know that I could put one cup of surfactant in there with 25 gallons of yeah. I kind of will shortcut sometime and just use ammonia. I'm not too sure how much to use, but uh, I can I can do that. Oh. So my question is about they use this remedy in around the yard, around my house, and everything. I know to spray it only on what I want to kill. So how much do you think just in a 25 gallon oh. sprayer? Oh, okay, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm I'm real bad at math, so I can't answer that question directly. I'm not good okay. at math, but I will say this: wh- okay. whatever you mix it up according to directions. Depending on how fast or slow you drive, is going to concentrate it more or less. See, so it's I not it, it's not so much how much per gallon, it's how much over a certain area. And I don't know what remedy is. I don't know what the what, what the active ingredient is. But I will tell you this: it's okay. it's it's kind of late to spray your weeds because they're starting to get big. They're starting to flower. They're harder to kill than they would have been back in late December or January, first part of this month. They're easy to kill when they're small. But right now, this warm weather, your grass is starting to green up, and it can be killed by herbicides during the little spring green-up period. 
you know, the little what we call spring transition in the in the turf world. Uh, the grass as it starts to green up in fe- late February and March, it's more susceptible to weed killers that it can tolerate back in the dead of winter or in the summertime. So the grass is in a tender little stage, and the weeds are hard to kill. But uh, the the yeah. bigger issue, so I really can't answer that without without knowing what the active ingredient in that stuff is. That's okay. Here here's the deal though, you're mowing close is a reason you got weeds and not grass. You can kill every weed out there, Alan. Every weed out there, you're not going to have any grass because grass needs to be mowed high. It, that's where it gets its energy. So when you cut it close, that weakens the grass. It makes weeds easy. So when you say stickers, I'm already thinking, I already knew you cut too close because you only have stickers in grass to cut too close. So what I would do is I'd raise your mower up, unless you're playing soccer out there, football, or rolling around with the dogs and the stuff like that. You know, I would mow on the high side. You'd have better quality grass. Killing weeds ain't going to help if you don't have grass in its place because more weeds are going to come back quicker. So anyway, long story short, I'd make a note to spray next December, January. I think twice about spraying right now because it's hard to, it takes more spray and likely to kill your grass. And this summer, concentrate on getting your grass thicker. And, uh, that, you know, stickers tell me thin lawn, which tells me mowing too close. And it's sort of a fact, okay. fact of life there. I was raised with this kind of stuff. And the more I learn about turf management, the more I realize mowing high is the number one key to keeping weeds under control. Well, if I talk my wife into that, I, I'll do it. Well, you know, I, the, it, I'm, I'm looking at it from your grass's point of view. Now, anyway, if you can I shoot, understand now. if you can shoot me an email, I, I will do some quick research and find out. First of all, is that stuff safe to use on turf grasses? But uh, you know, the main thing, if you're going to go ahead and spray, spray real light, just in case it ain't okay. good for your grass. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. Okay, sorry, Alan. No, no problem. Thank you. You know, sometimes I'm. Yeah, I don't know what to say sometimes. Weeds are a symptom of a thin lawn. That's a fact. The number one, two, and three main controls for weeds have nothing to do with weed killers. And if you've got weeds and you spray them and you don't have thick grass behind it, more weeds are going to come back quickly from seeds because your grass is too thin. Those are bottom line stuff, just bottom line. Anyway, I hate to sound negative because I, 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 I don't know. As far as stickers, my best recommendation right now is put on some flip-flops and don't worry about it. Let's go down to Fairhope, Alabama. Hey, Cynthia, what's going on on your side of the bay? Hey, Phil. Hey, I'd be interested in Alan's little Tacoma truck when he gets done with it. All y'all good old boys <laughs> like those big bruises. I'm looking for a little truck. But anyway, I have a couple quick questions um, on mature azaleas and camellias. There is some gray growth. It looks kind of like lichens. Yeah, it is lichens. And I read that. Well, I read that lichens don't kill your plants, but it that's true. Those sections of the plants. Nope. That they're that it's on. Nope. Not not true. Lichens really? grow on rocks and tombstones and bridge rails. They grow on dead stuff. They grow on anything that's moving slowly. So when you have a lot of lichens on a plant, you know that tells me the plants, shall we say, unthrifty. It needs to be fertilized or pruned or something because as the trunks and limbs get bigger in diameter, it shucks the worst of the lichens off. So lichens are a symptom, not the problem. And that's absolutely I'm, – I, I love lichens. I take pictures of lichens, but they don't hurt plants at all. They're the symptom. Your plants need some help. Oh, that's true. All the limbs where it is. It's, they look dead. They're not blooming. Well, let's 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 look another way. The plant's not growing very well. It's dying. It's unthrifted. Not blooming. And I can say, this is nice. We'll grow here. Okay, gotcha. They're 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 the symptom, not not the cause. I, I'm real sure oh. about that. Okay, thanks. Second okay, wait, wait. Well, first first of all, Ooh. I drive a Ford F one fifty, but it ain't causing my ego. It's because I haul stuff. I know, I know, I know. Y'all, you're working hard. I know that. I know. It's just that I can't drive those. I can't park those big things. I, I just bump in. Too, too many okay. Things. Well, see, I'm not going to, you, anyway. uh, you know, you say you can't park. I say I love big trucks. We're going to get along. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, what's your other question? <laughs> yeah, I drive a Ranger right now, but it's getting old. There you um, go. Anyway, um, I bought um, a hydrangea, a blue hydrangea bush. Mm-hmm small one right now but right. i've had them in the past but um our soil where i live is real alkaline yeah so it's going to be pink I, so so 
So I'm on a planet in a in a big pot, and I just would like to know the best medium to plant to throw in there all the all the acid stuff you can think of. Yeah, well, you, you probably don't need to because you've grown in potting soil. As potting soil is decomposed, the the peat moss, the compost, the bark, uh, things like that, as they decompose, they give off organic acids. See, so that you know that's all it takes. Uh, what what makes them blue or not? is the amount of aluminum that's in the soil. Not the acidity, it's the aluminum. So if you oh, okay. you you can get this stuff called aluminum sulfate. It's I've just it. it's just yeah. liquid and and use it oh, just two or three times in the spring early summer and that's all it takes. Uh but okay. it, to, to answer if you want to lower the pH, make it more acidic, they have the it's called sulfur, flowers of sulfur. It's the opposite of lime and work it into the soil and that helps. But I think if you're growing in a pot Cynthia, especially a big pot, it's going to need to be a pretty big size. You're going to have to water it a lot. Uh use yeah. a, a any kind of good quality potting soil, but mix it with some some bark. Because bark provides extra drainage that you need. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's going to stay too wet, too dry, too wet, too dry with just potting soil alone. Uh, pine bark? Yeah, any, any kind of bark. You know, but, but okay. what I do is I mix for, for shrubs and, and, and big plants like that in containers. I take any kind of potting soil and I mix it about 50-50 with bark. And uh, and oh. that that way, when you water, water soaks down at the bottom, and roots will follow that as the top dries out. So you don't have to water as often. You'll have a, a lot deeper roots. It's just for better drainage. Okay. Okay. Great. Anyway, let's 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 do a truck race sometime. Well, I know. <laughs> no, it ain't competition. Okay. Anyway, have fun. And remember, uh, aluminum sulfate it, it comes in little bottles. Big so it's not a poison. It's just liquid uh, aluminum oh. type of fertilizer. I've got it in powder. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. We'll mix it according to directions. You know, you okay. you can buy it already pre-mixed, but you know that's, you know that's a sales gimmick thing. Okay, okay, thanks. Okay, Cynthia, appreciate it. Yeah, let's take a real quick break. We've got uh, calls from uh, Mobile, from Oxford, got calls from top to bottom all over. Uh, again, folks, want to remind if down in Bellingraph Gardens in Theodore, Alabama, it's on the west side of Mobile a little way, beautiful garden this time of year. Uh, they're having a free plant sale and orchid show this weekend. Natchez, downtown Natchez, beautiful weather. It's going to be kind of cool in the morning, but I'm giving a presentation at 1 o'clock at the Natchez Convention Center down by the river, and it's going to be fun about gardens. It's going to be about diggers, determined, independent gardeners. We real relaxed, and it's free. So uh, we're going to take a real quick break and come back. We've got some more callers on the line. And remind folks, if you want to email me, garden at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. All right, folks, welcome back. Uh, I hope y'all know I was just teasing her about that pickup truck thing, but she started. She said, you guys in your big pickup truck. Okay, whatever. I also drive a little Jeep. Anyway, we're going to go down to Mobile, Alabama, and talk with William. Hey, William, thanks, man. What's up? Mm-hmm. Hey, Phil, I was wondering if you were talking about those uh, Iliagnus, the uh, little berries on them now. Uh-huh. And so uh, I was wondering, I want to grow me some more because I have a row of Iliagnus, and I have one that's variegated, but they all are just full of them berries, like you say. So if I want to grow more, do I take them berries off and plant them, or do I grow another one by uh, Go go from cuttings because cutting is going to save you a year or two. You know, if you grow, first of all, I don't know how well the seeds sprout, but there, I I did a research paper when I was in school on propagating Eliagnus by the hundreds of thousands and a little shortcut. You know, they they root like ringing a bell. 
And you can actually get some started weeding by bending some of those long branches over into the dirt and then have the tip come back out and put a brick or something on it. It'll root right there over the summertime. you got a whole little plant, roots and all. Okay, you had said before, you know, certain things you propagate in the fall, certain things you propagate in the yeah. spring. So which is which? R- rule of thumb is evergreens root best in the early summer, early to mid-summer. Evergreen plants, azaleas, elang, they've got leaves on it all year. I'd root it when the new growth comes out and kind of toughens up a little bit in, you know, June, July, sometime like that. If they drop their leaves, they typically root better in the wintertime. It is exceptions, but that's a good rule of thumb. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, I want to ask you, have you eaten of those little berries yet? Well, yesterday I went up there and I saw the the vines were just full of them, and I just had my gloves on, so I just smashed one of them. You know, it's just real slimy, but I'm <laughs> yeah. going back to uh, eat some today. But anyway, to clear this up for you, I'm calling from Mosley of the Free State Mo- of Jones. Mosley, okay, Mosley of the Mos- Free State of Jones, I got gotcha. you. Moselle. Moselle. <laughs> Mosley, Moselle. I've actually been lost in Moselle. I got an email from a lady who retired from Chicago, just moved back to the old home place. Uh, we're talking about a hotshot executive who lives in a log cabin outside Mosley, Mississippi. Yeah, well, see, this is Moselle. It's I know. west of Ellisville. I, I know. I'm, I'm messing with you. <laughs> it, it, it's out by the river, the free state of Jones. Right on the river. I appreciate it, man. Got, got the little truck stop right off the, the exit. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Right <laughs> okay, appreciate it. Moselle, I get it. Let's go to Oxford now. Linda, you've been hanging on for a while. Thank you so much. What's up? I just crossed the Mississippi River while I was hanging on. Okay. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to put in a plug for daylilies uh, as edibles for folks to share uh, along people's paths because they're so good, particularly this time of year. And I heard that you preempted me on that, but in terms of the chickweed, yeah. when, you, when you're cooking chicken, you, it's really good cooked, but you don't cook it very long. But the key to it is to chop it up because it's very fibrous. Like think of it like, <laughs> of it like celery. I got you. But uh, just cook it down a little bit, sort of like you would uh, lettuce or something. Like what? Like lettuce or something like that. Just cook it down a little bit. Uh, yeah, let me ask you this. Are you talking about the, the daily has been edible right now? You're talking about those little white tuber things right now, aren't you? The uh, green, the little the green. green. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, but yeah, if you want to dig down into them. But yeah, the, the, the greens as they come up, and they're, I mean, they're edible at any stage. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that daylilies were cultivated for over 3,000 years for food. And uh, I mean, I've I've actually given cooking demonstrations where I cook the buds of those the 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 old. And it's been my experience that the the yellow and orange ones taste better. The the real pretty, fancy, darker colored hybrids they have a funny little aftertaste. But the you know I've, I've eaten the buds raw, stir fried in soups. Any way you can eat broccoli, you can eat daylily buds and flowers. Oh yeah, and at any stage, from the buds and the dried flowers even uh, yep. put in. Or, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I'm a, you know, big advocate of. Uh, well, yeah, a lot of people. I, I give talk to daily societies around, and I tell people they don't like the orange thing because it can't be hybridized. It's a mule. They just don't mm-hmm. like it. I said, look, if you can't beat it, eat it. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm convinced <laughs> that's why you find so many around those. But on chickweed, chop it up, cook it down a little bit. Do you put anything in it to spice it up? Because it doesn't have much of a flavor. If you're a meat eater, you know, everybody would put a little bacon in it. But, uh, <laughs> like collars. It's uh, a. <laughs> I got you. Appreciate it, Linda. Hands on the wheel. Thank you for your call. <laughs> yeah, she crossed the business. We're talking about eating stuff out of the yard. Let's go to uh, talk to Mike up in Memphis. Hey, Mike, how are you, sir? Good and you, Felder. Doing pretty good. I'm a, I'm giving a couple of talks in in Memphis. Uh, one's gonna be at the Memphis Master Gardeners. They got a big thing going out at Agri Center at the Red Barn. That's gonna be March the 28th. But I'm doing a thing for the Hossa Society at seven o'clock on March the 19th at the Botanic Garden. Hope to see you there. Okay. Which yeah, is, I know them both well. What's going on? Hey, uh, um, orchids. How long do those things bloom? Well, you know, it's it's really funny because an orchid, uh, orchid flower can last for weeks. I mean, I've seen, it, you know, and a lot of people kind of almost freak out about because they 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 don't, you know, it depends on the the species, of course. But when they bloom, those flowers can last a long time, uh, weeks. Uh, man, I gave a friend some for Christmas, 
and they're still blooming. Yeah. Inside, and she just puts an ice cube on them every day. Yeah, uh, she had like. A, how long is that going to go on? I, I don't. It depends on. I, I don't. I can't say. You know, but when they start blooming, they bloom for weeks and weeks, and that you know that's right. that's the most accurate. What do you do with them after that? What do you it, do with them after that? It depends entirely on the type of orchid. Sometimes you leave the stem; it'll bloom back there. Sometimes you snip it off. So with that, I mean, orchids. There's so many different kinds that I can't keep them straight. I'd have to know what kind it is. They they vary by by variety. Yeah, but well by species. Yeah, orchid is one of the biggest plant families on Earth, and there's a lot of variation. So it really depends on the type of orchid, whether you cut this flower stem off or leave it, or you know that kind of thing. I I can't get right. more specific. All right, with well, uh, one last, I know you're running out of time, but uh, when they stop blooming, just cut that stem off. It depends. And will it come back the next year? It depends on the type. Sometimes you leave the stem, and it'll bloom on that stem again. See, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't oh, know. What, okay. Yeah, okay. there's too many different kinds. You know, if, if you could send, have her send me a picture of the flower, we can find out what kind of orchid is. Then we can get right down, we can crank right down on it then. But there's just too much variety. I got one quick question for you. Are those green onions in the yard edible? They are, as long as they haven't been sprayed. Okay. Or, and, or do you eat the little bulbs off the bottom or do you eat the top like chives? Either either way. Uh, that's all it is. Just it's just an onion. That's all it is. A little bitty onion. All right, man. All right, I appreciate, sure appreciate it. Okay, appreciate it. Okay, got Billy from Benton. We're gonna have to sorry, we're out of time, Billy. If you either call back next week or shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline dot org. Uh but just uh you know, me and Mike are talking about eating stuff out in the yard and orchids and stuff. Got some really interesting calls today. Some interesting calls. Hope to see some of y'all at Natchez, one o'clock at the convention center on Saturday. It's free. We have a lot of fun starting at one o'clock. And um if you've got some things I can help promote, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Meanwhile, me and Java and uh, Kevin Farrell and all the folks here at MPB, we're going to take a week off. I'm going to take a week off. they got other stuff to do. They, they have real jobs up here. Uh, but anyway, going to enjoy my trip down to Natchez. Going to look for some pretty wildflowers to share with you all. But meanwhile, uh, if you get a chance to take a kid to a garden center, have them pick out some little thing they can plant in a pot, maybe an oregano, maybe a parsley, maybe a rosemary, something that they can cook with. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. It's, all, it's not about growing stuff. It's about growing society and community. That's what we're going to talk about. And you can't do that any better than by sharing plants.